Jim Cullen Live. Talk radio without the stuff. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, hi. <laughs> well, that's a first. Um, I'm sorry. I am, what, seven minutes late. I, what a Monday. Um, I, I, you know, I take the bus now. So I was racing to get to the bus, and then I was, r I saw the bus pull up, and I was racing to the bus, and then I jumped on the bus, and then I couldn't find my senior citizen card, which lets you go f free. And I, so I just sort of step aside, and then I frantically look at, you know, purses, this, that, I mean, and all I could come up with was my Medicare card. And I said to the bus driver, looking like as much of a little old lady as I could, I said, I'm so sorry, but I can't find my, I don't know where, I only have my Medicare card. Well, he, he says, oh, so I sat down. And then immediately immersed myself like everybody else on the bus in uh, on my phone. So I'm zipping down the parkway, I mean the parkway, the uh, busway, and immersed in Twitter, I believe it was, and actually it was Donald Trump's tweets, which have been particularly noxious uh, today. And I feel the bus turn. Now, I got to tell you, if you've ever been on the busway and you're taking the P1 or the P2 downtown, it doesn't turn. Not the way this bus turned. And I, I looked up, and I still saw what looked like the busway, and I thought, huh, you may be just... So I decided it hadn't turned. I am not kidding you. I went back to my, my Twitter feed. And then it slowed down. The buses don't slow down on the, par on the busway. So I looked up again, and there were houses. There were houses. I was on a street. <coughs> oh, <coughs> I thought, um, it's amazing how there's that, that little period of time when you, your brain refuses to take in the information that is staring you in the face. And I had one of those, you know, like, I, I couldn't, first of all, it's like an unwillingness to believe that you could have done something so stupid. So I am batting like a zero. I don't. And I, I think, I try to think, <laughs> what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? And then I thought, I'll <coughs> get off, <laughs> get off the damn bus. So I jumped off the bus, and then I thought, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And then I thought, Uber. So I do have an Uber app, and I... Loading, it said. What do you mean, loading? I've had it. What do you mean, loading? Then I looked again, and it said, paused. 
And then I smashed it again, loading. Meanwhile, I'm walking, like, really fast. I end up on Fifth Avenue in Oakland, and there's bus stops all over. I thought, well, maybe just jump on one of these buses. They're bound to be heading downtown. So I waited for a bit and thought, this is stupid. You have no idea how long this okay. And meanwhile, Uber, loading, loading. Anyway, I'm starting to freeze. And then I um, decided to download. I actually had to go to my app store. It took me a while to find that because I never buy apps. It was download Lyft. And then if you download Lyft, of course, you got to answer all these friggin' questions. I screwed up on my own name. I had to, like, retype that. Then I screwed. Then I had to fish around for a, you know, a credit by the time I load all the information in, it's like, you know, it's almost 10 o'clock. Meanwhile, I'm also texting Amy saying, ah! So, anyway, Bunny, God bless her, Bunny in for Lyft came within four minutes, which isn't, you know, but that's, they only found the one person and she came. And I said, I am in a real hurry. And this woman, God bless her, she drove like I drive. She, we took, it was actually thrilling. It was amazing. Because the Lyft people had said that my estimated time of arrival at, from where I was to 650 Smithfield Street, would be 10 minutes. Ah! Bunny did it in six. Man, she's good. So, anyway, here I am. <sighs> and on top of that, I forgot my my drink. I didn't have that. I realized that as soon as I got on the bus. Oh, no, I don't have, oh, well, I'll have time, I thought, to stop at the Rite Aid over here where the bus will drop me off and get a, God! Okay, <clears throat> And I have so much stuff I want to talk to you guys about. I hope you're still all there. Thank you so much. <sighs> um, <coughs> what? I don't know. Do we want to get into uh, the really heavy stuff? No. Let's save that for tomorrow with Susan so that she can vent a lot, too. But this, the, the news over the weekend <laughs> about Trump and collusion has just been wah, just stunning. Not Stunning, not in surprising, but oh, boy. We didn't know that the FBI actually started a counterintelligence investigation on the president of the United States, on Trump. Jeez. No wonder he doesn't like the FBI. We didn't know that he personally confiscated the notes from his meeting with Putin and that probably ate them. So there are no, there are, there is no record, except the Russian record, of these meetings with Putin, two meetings with Putin. 
He didn't even share what happened with his senior advisors. This guy, if he's not a Russian operative, seriously, then what the fuck is he? Okay, I said we'll save that for tomorrow. Um, so, let's see, as I said, I have so many things here, let me see if I can, uh, part, I'm not as organized as I normally am, you'll, I, I hope, forgive me, um, these are all pretty friggin' heavy, though, I have to tell you, uh, yeah, I'm looking for something that's not as, here's something not so heavy, because it happened a hundred years ago, it happened, you know, so who cares? And if it happened today, it would be a huge tragedy, and CNN would be 24-7 on it. Well, no, because Trump. But it's a big story. And it's actually, I laughed at it at first, and then I got to the sobering thing that 21 people were killed. Um, <laughs> but I never heard of this. What the hell is she talking about, you're saying? I'm talking about the Great Molasses Massacre in Boston. Do we know about that? You do know about that. Do you know about that because of this article, or you know, you mean people know about it? Oh, yeah, okay. Amy's husband's from Boston. Dear God, how did that escape my attention? I like to think I know stuff. Um, so maybe I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But the, just the idea, I, it, what, when I read it, here's what I thought. If, if you're a Jew and you've ever gone to like Yom Kippur services, uh, you know that it's a very somber uh, time and, and, and it's all about, you know, actually mortality because <laughs> there's like the grim reaper hanging over your head the whole time. Um, and you're thinking about... Uh, there are these prayers that just talk about the ways you can die. I'm not kidding. Well, I guess there are even in Christianity, is that, you know, who by fire, who by, well, Leonard Cohen does, does that great uh, song, who by fire, who by this, who by beast, who by, you know. I mean, there's literally this stuff about all these ways. Yeah, you can get ripped apart by a rhinoceros. You can be, uh, you know, strangled. You can be uh, die of starvation. You can be killed by this, by that. And it is a litany that, like, I mean, every time I've ever read it, I've, I've simply been astonished at all the ways there are to leave this life. <laughs> And how so few of us do it in such a potentially dramatic fashion. But dying by molasses is not in this list that goes on forever and ever and ever. And the whole idea of molasses, what is it? Think of it, think of a you know, an adage that, that incorporates molasses. Go ahead. Or a phrase. Slow as molasses. Right? Because it's so thick. 
it's like the snail of food and it can barely move but on january 15th 100 years ago it's almost 100 years to this date because it's the 14th today on january 15th in boston a huge huge vat holding tank something filled with molasses <laughs> broke apart and over two million gallons of molasses came pouring out of this tank and this molasses had not gotten the uh, memo that molasses is slow because at one point that torrent that tsunami of molasses in Boston January 15th 1919 was moving at 35 miles per hour <laughs> picking up cars, throwing them, people trapped in their, you know, uh, it's molasses. You can't move. Drowning in, two city blocks were totally inundated. Uh, houses were taken off. The, it, it was a, a molasses tsunami. Incredible. Animals died. Horses and stables died. Uh, the Boston Post reported here and there struggle to form. Whether it was animal or human was impossible to tell. Only an, an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass showed where any life was. Now, Scientific American has... Uh, has written about this and explained why a wave of molasses can actually be deadlier than a wave of water because the dense wall of syrup surging from the collapsed tank initially moved fast enough to sweep people up and demolish buildings only to settle into a gelatinous state. Water doesn't do that. So the people who were swept up couldn't get out from under it. They were trapped. They were smothered. Wow. So I'm just saying, that was the most interesting thing. I, I, uh, the, the deadly molasses massacre uh, in Boston, Mass. Um, and the weird thing is, so what was what, what is a vat of that much molasses used for? Well, it turns out it was, this is another thing that shows how little I know about the world. Because you don't think of, at least I don't, the molasses was used in an industrial setting. This was not uh, molasses that was going to end up on uh, in a kitchen. 
uh, even though it's, you know, it's so much sugar. But it was used to what? Do something for industrial alcohol of some sort? I can't find it exactly. But yeah, so I never, are you, I, I realize, I don't know anything. I don't understand anything about this world I live in. You know, how my glasses got made, the materials that went, yeah, there might be molasses in these glasses. I don't understand how things are created. The stuff that we use to build things, where that stuff comes from. And molasses. So what do I know? Anyway, I just wanted to share that. Man, when you have to go back a hundred years to Boston and a molasses massacre to avoid what's happening in your your time. <laughs> oh God. Hey, speaking of I said something about adages or something. Did you see, you know, the famous the buck stops here <laughs> that uh Harry Truman actually created that. That was not a term before he did. You can check on that and tell me I'm wrong, but uh um but the buck stops here. The buck he's talking about is from the phrase, pass the buck. You ever heard that phrase? And pass the buck was, I believe, used in poker games? And so Truman, being the colloquial kind of guy he is, said that as president, he had to ultimately take responsibility. <laughs> Can you imagine a president saying ultimately he takes responsibility? So Truman said, famously, the buck stops here. But of course, um, that's not what our current president says. <laughs> he literally said, the buck stops with everybody. <laughs> Shit. Actually, I, I learned that in a very interesting piece um, that re references George Orwell's uh, famous essay, Politics and the English Language. Um, it's an essay that I still own, have, in a book, one of those textbooks you never throw out because it changed you in some way. Um, and George Orwell's essay on how language can be manipulated and used and the power of that manipulation is absolutely a must read. If you've never done it, it's just a little essay. George Orwell, Politics in the English Language. And this piece that used as a jumping off point, uh, Trump saying the buck stops with everybody. <laughs> it isn't funny after a while because Orwell, after writing that essay, went on to write 1984. And that, of course, is about how an authoritarian uh, government can simply take the meaning of words and flip them 
upside down and no one can do anything about it. And that is what Trump tries to do all the time. Uh... Gigi writes, wow, wasn't it amazing to read about the molasses man? Oh, you did too? So everybody read about it and I was just telling you stuff you already knew as well as arriving late? Oh, jeez, this is not a good day. Um, knowing your affinity for obituaries, there was a great one in the Post-Gazette this morning. Oh, okay. Well, let's check it out. Um, I do love obituaries. Mick Scheider. Well, I just love the first line. I want to announce. <laughs> I want to announce that I have decided to take a long vacation. It began on Friday, January 11th, 2019, at the age of 75. The most beautiful person, Doris, left this world before me. I miss her every day. I said to her and still say to her every night, good night, Doris. I love you and I'll see you in the morning. To our children, and then he names his kids, and we're bl and blessed and proud of our children. They are so beautiful. Uh, I want to thank my brothers, to all of our friends and relatives. Thank you for being so good and thoughtful. What? My wife, Doris, says there's going to be a special screening of The Wizard of Oz at her beachfront condo, so I've decided to go. If anyone asks, I'm on a long vacation. Always remember, we are only renting this place, so you better enjoy yourself while you're here. In lieu of flowers, please take your family out to dinner and give them a hug and tell them you love them. I could have missed the pain, but I have had to miss the dance. Nice. Mick Scheider, 75. Cute. I like that, taking control of your own obit. I do like that. It's a daunting thing, but... Uh. Okay, Roger says, all right. Well, if you're s pausing for Susan for tomorrow, maybe a question for Susan. For those who believe in the sitting president cannot be indicted, what if it's for treason? If not, aren't we doomed having a president quizzling? Where are USA, USA, flag-waving, flag-pinned, crazy, patriotic Republicans? Well, because they don't buy any of this. It's a witch hunt. Remember when the GOP was screaming about Bill Clinton's campaign possibly getting money from Chinese companies? <laughs> Why, it's so quaint. If we survive President Al Capone, there might be some new amendments regarding our executive branch of government. Yeah, maybe. Who the hell knows? Uh, actually, an interesting piece, uh, a, a, a thought-provoking, my favorite kind uh, of piece, uh, in today's New York Times by Michael Tomaski. And it runs counter to what we all want, because we want to get rid of this guy as fast as we can. But he suggests that the best way to get rid of Trump is to be a little more patient and to let the people do it. In other words, to vote him out. Of course, that would require 
another, what, 18 months? More than that with him. But, I mean, he's right. You can't argue with that. There is no president in the history of this country who has been removed because of the impeachment process going the whole way. There have been presidents impeached, but there has never been a Senate conviction. Nixon resigned, because I think there would have been. With Andrew Johnson, it failed. And with Bill Clinton, it failed. It ain't easy. And given the Republicans in this Senate... <laughs> It ain't easy to remove him through impeachment. Uh, this guy argues that to remove him, I mean, I know, I keep thinking, but the damage he's going to do, the damage he can do, especially when he's scared, cornered, unhinged, and friendless as he is. But the thing is, because of the unbelievable craziness and division of our country, which he only, of course, exacerbates and feeds, if he's impeached, it will, there will always be a whole mess of Americans who, say, who will say it was not legitimate what happened to him. <laughs> Never mind that his presidency wasn't legitimate. But if the voters vote him out, there's no, because it would be huge. Of course, if the Republican Party were to renominate him, would they? He's bound to be primaried. But given this Republican base, I suspect he might actually get the nomination again. I don't think he'd want another four years, would he? So anyway, he says, let us say that by next football season, the president's goose will be well and truly cooked and House impeachment proceedings amply justified. There will then hang the question of whether 20 Senate Republicans, at least, would actually agree to remove Trump. And that seems exceedingly unlikely. There's one more reason, he says, I'd prefer to see Trump laid low via the ballot. It will do more long-term damage to the Republican Party. If Mr. Trump is removed by impeachment and conviction, that is with 20 Republican votes, then Republicans can say, see, We've come to our senses. We've got that out of our system. We have put party before, I mean, excuse me. We have put country before party. And it'll give them wiggle room to survive. But if they hang with him, literally, and then the voters speak, they will be trying to air out that stench of Trump for generations. 
which is what they deserve. I don't know. Just another point of view. There's no, no cut and dried here. Uh, troubling also stuff, if you're reading more than about Trump these days, um, about uh, his national security advisor, good God, John Bolton, um, maneuvering clearly in ways that could get us at war, in a war with Iran. There are a number of people increasingly concerned. So that's my worry about letting the letting the voters do it. I mean, we had round one in November, and the voters stepped up. And I can't imagine it wouldn't happen again even bigger, but can we make it to that point? Bree writes, impeaching or censoring at this point would just kind of be an acknowledgement that there were certain improprieties or irregularities that others in government recognized, but it would have zero consequences. It would just be a piece of paper, something that was moved upon, but no action. There would be no removal from office. Well, if he was convicted... I mean, impeachment itself, right? I mean, obviously, Bill Clinton enjoyed uh, many years as president after he was impeached, but they failed to convict. And if the same were to happen here, there, there, there you go. No president has ever been convicted. A little closer to home, and this was dispiriting to me and annoying as holy hell. Uh, where did I read this? Um, this is local. It has to do with the Women's March. You know, there's another march coming up, guys. When is it? On the 19th? It's, no, maybe it's. I am so sort of disengaged from normal forms of protest now. I'm just too exhausted. Anyway, there is going to be another Women's March. There's one in Washington, and then, as has become the uh, custom, there will be local marches. Uh, two years ago, it was a huge march here. And then a year ago, the march split up because that's what always seems to happen these days. Uh, big tents just don't exist much anymore. Uh, people have agendas and they're offended and not let in or not given enough power. Or I don't know what the... So what happened, here's what happened. Um, the people, the women running uh, the local march, uh, put up a GoFundMe page with a goal of $10,000. And they said it was to bring that famous 
baby Trump balloon, which has made appearances all over the world. You know, Trump in a diaper, big orange baby. Um, they wanted to have that for the march. And um, the woman who's organizing the march, who's been a guest on this show, Tracy Batten, uh, said, well, the, f the GoFundMe thing was not only to get the baby, which would have been, you know, fun, visually interesting. The baby only cost, I guess, 1500 But they were raising money for other event-related costs, sound system, stage, uh, stuff like that. The baby balloon, she says, was a hook for the broader fundraising effort. But then offended people started up um, calling the balloon a disturbing waste of money. I can think of so many other things that I would attach the word disturbing to than people crowdfunding to get the Trump baby balloon here. <laughs> disturbing waste of money. They said that Money should be donated to local nonprofits and support marginalized communities. Well, yes, of course. One does not necessarily mean the other doesn't happen. I hate how people pick fights over everything. Brittany Murray, the Trump balloon would have always been a waste of money especially during a partial government shutdown that directly affects marginalized people like black femmes, single mothers, and trans women of color. You know, Brittany, chill. Brittany's got trouble with the people who do the march, so she's going to get her panties in a twist, no matter what the heck Tracy Batten and the other people do. Because they broke, these are these people. I I'm sorry, Brittany, I don't even know you. But, you know, you drive me nuts. The only way we move forward is together. And you've got a knack for always, people like you, always pulling apart. Why does there always have to be that? Oh, this is good. Pittsburgh Feminists for Intersectionality. That's a Facebook group with more than 800 members. Released a statement opposing the fundraiser. Here's the fun, here's their statement. Those funds would be better served if they were directed towards existing organizations that center and benefit the most marginalized rather than the performative action of bringing the Trump balloon to Pittsburgh. Where do these people learn to talk? What do you mean the performative action? Is there a way to say that in English? Where do these people come from? Everything about them makes my, make, gets my blood pressure up. I'm sorry. It's another genera it's this younger generation of woke p 
hissed off and my way or the highway fems. I try to, I try to be open-minded, guys, but you weary me. You really weary me. And all you're doing is creating division when we need to be together. What do we all agree on? Trump's a disaster. That's the, what the march is about. Trump's a disaster. Hello? You can take your inner fucking sexuality, sexuality and stuff it. Everything doesn't have to be pieced. I mean, just everything doesn't have to become some friggin' world war. Uh-oh, I got callers. All right, everybody, scream at me. All right, caller number one. Go ahead. Hi, Lynn. It's um, Tracy Baton, and I'm director of the Women's March on Washington, Pittsburgh. And hey, Tracy, I, mis I, I mispronounced your name. Baton. Oh, that's okay. It's baton like a thing you twirl. My grandmom always liked people to get it right. And I had you ba at batten. Listen, Tracy, I don't know anything yeah. about anything, but I read this, and all I want to say is just screw these people. I'm sick of them. Oh, go, go ahead, whatever you want to say. I think that if people want to stand against patriarchy, hate, white nationalism, and racism, they can march wherever they are. Just march wherever you are. You do you. In Philadelphia, they're struggling to raise $20,000 for the march. In Olympia, Washington, their action's going to cost six grand, and that's about what we want to spend here in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Olympia is smaller than Scroll Hill. Well, and I think that, you know, raising money for not just that, but we work all year is a perfectly reasonable thing. We need to organize people to canvas. We need to get out for actions. We organized the Not Above the Law action. We helped with Ben the Ark organize that action in Squirrel Hill when Trump was here. And then we go to smaller places, too, like Arnold, when the racist mayor was saying that people should get hit by water cannons. Right. And we want to be able to keep doing that work. You know, and that's what matters. It does, it's, that's what matters. Well, wait, it says here in this article... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you're breaking up a little bit. They said in this article that um, uh, that you've been threatened. I think we lost her. There, we there was no. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Lynn. Yes. Um, there, there we had a fundraiser for a balloon. A woman, Marie Norman, who has an, who has organized enormous volunteer canvassing hours. She's not Women's March leadership. She's really busy doing that. But she's seen us everywhere and seen how hard we work. And she just wanted to give us some resources to, um, to do something with. And to use the younger generation's language, she took her privilege and said, I'm privileged to be able to invest in this little fundraiser that can then pay for the whole march. And part of why it was, it was a good idea to me is because it's a way – that those of us who have been trying to push forward progressive politics here in Pittsburgh, we squeeze a dollar out of each other and pass it around. But it was a way to get a little bit of money out of everybody to move that ball forward. So is it still, did it make enough money? Are you, you're, so the baby Trump's not coming anymore? What the heck has happened? The baby Trump is not coming. There were threats and it made the people, the volunteers who were going to handle it uncomfortable. And I just felt like in a city where, 
it has been a rough year for many of my friends. I was not going to make anybody else just stressed about that. What kind of threats? So the baby Trump is not coming, and we are looking into other ways to raise money. Okay. No. So um, do you know Persad? You know what yeah, 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 Persad, yeah. They do the Pride Persad March. Persad is the city's most wonderful LGBTQ. No, 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 no. Someone else does Pride March. Persad is the city's community LGBTQ mental health and community. Oh, that's right, right. I'm thinking of the Delta Foundation. So they yeah, not yeah, only have, yeah, gotcha. Um, right, they do like craft night. Right, and, right, right. Um, I, um, Persad has said that we can be a um, that they would be a fiscal sponsor. So that means by I think the end of the day today, I'll be able to post online a way to just donate some money to okay. our work. Okay. And a small portion of that will also support Persad's work and I could not be more proud. Hey Tracy, what is when is the day when is the march? When, where, what, where should we be? Yes. We will see um have you seen our list of speakers, Lynn? No. Our speakers will include Jesse Rainey from the Center for Women in Politics. Um, Summer Lee, our outstanding um, new Pennsylvania Democratic representative. Um, Dina Stanley, who runs an organization called Trans Uniting, who is an extraordinary woman in our community, um, as well as Michelle Kinney, who is Anton Rose's mother. Yeah. And um, Sarah Stockmayo, who is um, a Jewish woman who's going to speak a little bit about I know Sarah. Yeah, I know Sarah. Had, yes. I know Sarah. So wait, wait, wait. well-known cancer. And she's so got an I extraordinary be voice. I yeah. to be creating space. Um, let's see, Mayor Nicole Nesby. Um, I'm sorry, Lynn. I, I, this is not a full-time job, so I am. I'm at work. I don't have, like, people okay, okay. in front of I me. I just want to. But Mayor Nicole Nesby, I mean, extraordinary. Okay, okay. And when? no matter what these difficulties are. It is worth it to Crazy. create space for those women to okay. speak. Okay. When? 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 We will see everyone. 11 a.m. on the steps of the city county building. We'll gather there. Um, what day? We'll have some talk there called Politics Matter on Saturday, January 19th at 11 a.m. Okay. And then we'll march down to Market Square for, and hear from some extraordinary Pittsburgh women. Okay. So that's this Saturday. Be there or be this square. Saturday. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Be hey. there or be square. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you for so calling in. You get, have a great day. Get back to work. Bye. Sure, you take care. Bye. Uh-huh. Bye. Uh, we have another caller? No, they hung up. Okay. Norma writes, as our dear President Obama always loved to say, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Yes. That's what these, that's what these troublemakers don't ever get. Don't, they, uh, they're like, I don't know. It's why there 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 are people on the left and the right who just are like in the, their nature is authoritarian, and everybody's got to do what they say you got to do, and there's no room for you know people having their own brains and thoughts and I so hate it. I don't care if it's coming from a goose stepping fascist. Or a goose-stepping socialist. I don't care. It's the goose-stepping. It's the attempt to control. It's the constant be the constancy of being offended. I'm just sick of it. How the fuck do people live like that? 
Anyway, Norma says, maybe all these intersectional people should keep this in mind when they're sowing their divisiveness. I usually say divisiveness, but I thought I'd try divisiveness. I don't like it. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Jesus, things are never perfect. Caller? Hello? Hey, Lynn. How are you doing? I'm just fine. Thank you. Good. Your old friend Ron Klink here. How are you? Ron Klink? Hi. How are you? Yes, dear. I'm doing okay. Snowed in in D.C. What are you doing now? Ron Klink, ladies and gentlemen, used to be a member of Congress. God help us. Um, that's has he, been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real has been. That's so <laughs> long ago. And he was a television person, too. God, what a career you've had. So what are you doing now? Well, I'm a lobbyist in Washington. Of course you are. In D.C., I'm working with uh, law. Of course I am. Yeah, with, with a law firm, Nelson Mullins, uh, Riley and Scott. With the Riley is Dick Riley, former education secretary. He's my, one of my partners. Okay. And, uh, you yeah, know, doing, doing, doing uh What got into you? Why are you calling me? Eh? Well, I, I, you're an old friend, and I just, I'm sitting here snowed in in D.C., and I, as I was uh, taking a look at social media, you, you popped up on the screen, and I thought, well, I haven't <laughs> talked to Lynn in forever. Yeah, I just, I'm still screaming. The, the Lord yeah, here I I'm still <laughs> ranting and raving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how's the show going? It's going fine. It's going great. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, at this time of, uh, of divided government. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, those of, us, those of us outside the Beltway have had it up to here and then some. I mean, it is just. Such a display, and, and and the same. Well, it's just, and it's the same inside DC, and and it's it is amazing. And I I was uh, I was a member back in the '90s when we had uh, a couple of government shutdowns, and and, and there's nothing like being uh, someone who's not in leadership who really has you know. And it's really only the leaders in Congress and the and the president who can sit down and 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 end these things. But they don't bring them to the floor. Individual members, you know, can't do a whole lot. Mitch McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell can end this. Of course. He's disgusting. Who's who's persona non grata? I mean, he's disappeared. Yeah, what happened Uh, to him? He is, he's disappeared. Well, I think I know why. He he doesn't know what this crazy uh, uh, guy in the White House is going to do. They've already had several agreements, uh, and everybody agreed, including Trump. Right. And then whenever it's time to take action, he, he changes his mind uh, right. at the flick of a switch. Well, it's because, uh, Laura, because he Laura, Laura Ingram, Ingram. Or, or, or Rush Limbaugh or right. yeah, somebody right. like that. And, right. and uh, you know, he allows them to. So I my suggestion to leadership uh, was to uh, bring Rush Limbaugh and Laura Ingram and, and whoever else of the right wing talk hills. Uh, let's talk to the powers that be. Why would you even negotiate with Trump? Let's talk to the real people. That oh, dear. I, you know, it's, it's so disheartening, not to mention frightening. Yeah, yeah it really is. Well, so what it, do you... It, it, well, it's it, also... Dis- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to... What, what's your best bet? Is, is it going to end this week? Is some, somebody going to do well, something? My, my, my best bet was it was going to end this past weekend because <laughs> everybody, I mean, ev- everybody that I talked to, uh, said, look, here's what's going to happen. He it went when they when they they missed their first paycheck, which they did last week, Friday. When when the federal employees missed their first paycheck, uh, Trump is going to declare uh, an emergency. Now, obviously, you know when you when you can plan when an emergency is going to be, it probably is not an emergency. 
but you know, the idea was he would declare an emergency. Yeah. The the the, uh, the House of you know Nancy Pelosi in the House would would take him to court. Uh, ultimately, they would probably prevail. But in the meantime, uh, the employees would be back to work, and, right. and then cooler minds could work on you know the long term spending. Uh, and but at least government would be up and running, and we'd look like a, a first world country. Uh, but and everybody was positive that was what was going to happen. It was the it was the way out of this. Um, but it didn't happen. So then, the other conjecture is that it, it, for about three weeks, as some in the know say, about three weeks from the Mueller report coming out, and there are a lot of people who think that the two are tied together. Okay. Uh, apparently, the, the, there's a lot of bad stuff in the Mueller report. Um, and and uh, some people in his family have a very good chance of being in prison, according to members of Congress. I'm talking, and um, you know, there's, so there's some thought that if he is going to be feeling the pain, America is going to be feeling the pain, and so that this is the the tail wagging the dog. We'll, we'll shut down the government, and, and that'll be the story of the day, and take the attention off the off the Mueller stuff for a while. Oh, uh, you goodness. know, uh, that's that's a lot of conjecture, but it it. Not that it doesn't make sense. No, not that it doesn't make sense. What a boy. I I just, I, I, well, Ron, I, it, it was great hearing from you and with your well, little, nice with your little you insights, too. Those were, those were like little gems you just dropped into the mix. I appreciate. And uh, we'll just see how much comes to, how comes, if it comes to pass. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, global uh, warming. Uh, or whatever that is, is such that now you guys in D.C. get more snow than we do in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, you know, I, I guess with the government shut down, there wasn't enough hot air to keep it away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you. Good to talk to you. Bye bye. Bye bye bye. You too. <clears throat> wow. It's a blast from the past. Ron Klink, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, what else do I have? <laughs> so he th his scuttlebutt is the Mueller report's coming in about three weeks. Oh God! Well, you know, the, the whole friggin' Steele dossier is going to turn out to be absolutely true. What does Putin have on him? Lots. It's the Russian oligarchs that got him. They got the he, he's they funded him. I mean the the stench of the corruption of this family, the Trump family, <coughs> is just mind boggling. And I have little doubt that by the time the feds get done with them. And the New York State law gets done with them. There will be a number of Trumps, yeah, in jail, as they should be. The only thing that can uh, get in the way of that, of course, is if uh, Trump cuts a deal that is accepted. Now, who would that be accepted by? I mean, it seems like we the people should have something to say about any deal he gets cut. Um, 
something like, I will leave if my children don't go to jail. I will leave if you promise not to. I will leave if I can be pardoned. I, I don't know, but how, how it seems to me that uh, we the people have uh, a right to sign off on any deal. I don't know. So, I have so much stuff here, guys. Oh, in a, a case in point, uh, a, a guy I really like uh, who writes for uh, Esquire, Char Charles Pierce, um, mentioned the, the New York Times report uh, on the fact that the FBI uh, began a counterintelligence investigation uh, into Trump. And he says in that piece that I think uh, was published on Friday, he says there is one singularly deadly word, a lethal bit of shrapnel aimed directly at the vitals of this criminal and possibly treasonous presidency. The word is tucked into a sentence that at first glance seems to be perfectly meh. Indeed, it's tucked into a sentence that would be unremarkable. That word is publicly, as in, here's what caught his eye. No evidence has emerged publicly that Mr. Trump was secretly in contact with or took direction from Russian government officials. No evidence has emerged publicly that Trump took direction from Russian officials. And what he suggests there, well, it comes after that little statement with that word publicly comes after this. Agents and senior FBI officials had grown suspicious of Trump's ties to Russia during the campaign, but held off on opening an investigation into him in part because they were uncertain how to proceed with an inquiry of such sensitivity and magnitude. But the president's activities before and after he fired Comey in May of 2017, particularly two instances in which Mr. Trump tied the Comey dismissal to the Russian investigation, helped prompt the counterintelligence aspect of the inquiry. Then put that sentence, no evidence has emerged publicly that Mr. Trump was secretly in contact with or took direction from Russian government officials. This is not a word, Charles Pierce said, chosen idly 
not in a piece, a New York Times piece as important and as he says judiciously written as this one. Clearly, the Times printed pretty much all it was given by its sources, but the implication of that word publicly is that investigators likely know far more than what appeared in the newspaper. Uh, I think, you know, this is a smart cookie, and he's a great journalist himself, so, yeah. I think he's got that absolutely right. We're heading into some real rough waters here, guys. Um, I want to thank you for waiting for me, if you did. I want to apologize again for being late, which I was. I want to again send a big thank you out to Bonnie, the Lyft driver. Man, she good. And um, and I promise that tomorrow I will check the number of the bus before I get on it. Okay? You have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.